Welcome to another episode of the Hoop Talk Podcast by fans for fans. I'm Brian. There's my guy, Jalen. What's up, everybody? This podcast is where we discuss all things basketball, so expect a lot of hot takes, debates, and a true display of basketball knowledge. Let's get right into it. Our topic today is part one of our What If series. We're looking at draft scenarios today. Our first draft scenario is Kobe Bryant to the Charlotte Hornets in 1996. Jalen, what do you believe would have happened if Kobe Bryant was drafted to the Charlotte Hornets? So I think the first thing that we have to do is we have to put some respect on the 1996 class. I, you, you, you said that so casually, like, yo, he could have been on Charlotte. But let's, let's just frame exactly just what kind of players came in at the same time as Kobe. AI, Stephon Marbury, who we have shown a lot of love on this podcast, Ray Allen, Antoine Walker, who was once a dog, Kerry Kittles, who you show a lot of love to on this podcast as well, guys like Paige Stoyakovich, Derek Fisher, and even Steve Nash, all in the same draft class. So you have to put that in perspective, honestly, because it just shows how wild it is that Kobe dropped all the way to pretty much what would be considered back then as like the bottom of the lottery. But when you put in the perspective, the players who came in the same class as him, even with him coming out of high school, that's still a pretty legitimate class. Now, in terms of him going to Charlotte, the first thing that I took into consideration in terms of like what his impact would be if he went there instead of the Lakers was what their team already kind of looked like. So they had guys like Bugsy Bogues, Vernon Maxwell, and Glenn Rice, who played forward, but those guys mainly occupied the backcourt a lot of the time. Um, the season right after this 1996 draft, the 1996 season, they went 54-28 and 28 and lost in the first round, but then won 50-plus games again and lost in the second round. So this was pretty much a veteran-heavy, guard-heavy Charlotte Hornets team that was pretty playoff ready. So in terms of him being inserted into the lineup, I think he would have kind of had a similar start trajectory wise in terms of like the fact that like similar when he was playing with the Lakers, he didn't get a lot of burn when he first got there. And of course, being behind a great shooter like Dale Curry, being behind seasoned vets like Muggsy Bogues and Maxwell, you're probably not going to get a lot of PT even just coming out of high school. So I think that he would have definitely been a great rotational piece for them as veteran-heavy teams that were playoff-tested. Like, to be like how Monte Ellis was like a, a big scoring guard as a rookie for the We Believe Warriors, I feel like maybe, like, Kobe would have fell into, like, that role before similar to Ellis kind of stepping up and being, like, a primary scoring option for them. But honestly... I think things almost kind of would have shaped out a little bit similar to how they did with him going to the Lakers, at least initially. But I think in terms of like 
the roster and everything, that his trajectory would have changed in terms of becoming a champion and stuff like that. The question I have to ask you, honestly, about the what if in terms of him going to Charlotte is not necessarily how you think he would have fit on the team. Because I feel like with Kobe Bryant, they were a very guard-heavy team as it was. I feel like they would have just inserted him as a rotational piece, as I said before. But what do you think the over-under is for a rookie like Bryant in terms of adding wins to a team that was already a 50-win perennial playoff squad? If I think of a 50-win squad like the Hornets, even without Kobe Bryant, I kind of feel like they would they would still be at 50 wins. Kobe's still a young player at this time. Like He's still trying to develop his skills. Keep in mind, he's straight out of high school, too. So we kind of forget that this team, even though they have 50 wins, they have a high school rookie guard and Kobe Bryant who would later develop into a superstar. If Kobe was drafted four years prior, he would have been on the same team as Alonzo Mourning and Larry Johnson. Think about that team with Kobe, Alonzo Mourning, and Larry Johnson in 1993. Like that, that was amazing. And that, that team would have been like amazing. This is where I kind of disagree with your take. I think this team wins 50, but you got to keep in mind they're in the same conference as the Jordan Bulls. So I kind of feel like at best they could have been a three seed. At worst, they could have been eight seed. With this roster, it's very decent. I, I like Muggsy Bogues. Glenn Rice was around during this time as well. Del Curry's a great shooter. Tony Delk was coming off the bench. Anthony Mason, who was with those uh, great 90s, mid-90s New York Knicks teams, it's a decent supporting cast, but am I picking this team to beat the Jordan Bulls? Not at all. I also kind of feel like Kobe Bryant in Charlotte just would not have worked. I don't think he had a legitimate co-star like Shaquille O'Neal, and I think I feel like even though Shaquille O'Neal later clashed with ownership in L.A. and they demanded a trade, I think Kobe Bryant demands a trade in Charlotte, something that Kobe Bryant did in LA. There's a good video out with uh, SB Nation. Ray Allen predicted that Kobe Bryant was going to ask for a trade because his team wasn't very good at the time. He actually asked for a trade and LA did not grant him it. I think he would ask for a trade in Charlotte just because I feel like he wouldn't see the potential in the team around him. Even though I think Charlotte would always be like a playoff team, they're kind of like the Indiana Pacers of today where they would always be like a 50-win playoff team but always would get like a four or a five seed. I feel like with Kobe Bryant, it's like, okay, he'll probably stick around for four years. And then I think in 2000, he would probably ask for a trade because he's seeing like he's, he thinks he's going nowhere with the team. With that being said, if he sticks around, I think the Charlotte Hornets trade away their 97 picks to get a veteran star. And then I think in 98-99, they make some runs in the playoffs. But I don't think that they make the championship. I mean, I think one of the first things that, like, got misconstrued in, the, in some of the points that you made was may, maybe more so – maybe it's from my perspective more so, but the idea of not seeing the trajectory of the team. Yes, it was an older squad. So, like, Dale Curry was not on the squad after that second playoff run, for example. So he would have stepped into that role. That would have been his first – year stepping into that role as a a true starting guard for the 
the year the year after in that case um in 99 would have been the year that they drafted baron davis so that would have been a dynamic athletic backcourt that would have had young kobe bryant and an upstart young athletic baron davis occupying the backcourt i feel like the idea of having that dynamic backcourt duo in charlotte would have not only made it where he would have been willing to stay but a lot of what his mentality was in terms of wanting to be the guy, the it factor on a team. Yes, he would have had a backcourt mate like Baron Davis that could do very well a lot of the things athletically that Bryant could do as well to a certain degree, of course. But I believe that with the transition that was taking place, he would have had the Hornets be his team the way he wanted the Lakers to be his team when his disputes with Shaq and things like that were taking place. So I feel like he would have already had what he had. And if you look throughout his career, he really has not had a backcourt mate beforehand. Derek Fisher is a very cerebral guard, especially around the time that he was playing for the Lakers. But he was more of a facilitating guard that helped run the triangle offense more than anything. Outside of that, guys like Steve Blake and things like that, don't get me wrong, again, Definitely cerebral players, good knockdown shooters, things like that. But to have a backcourt mate like Baron Davis making both players threats to drive, shoot, score from three levels of the three levels of the floor, they were they would have been a solid squad. Granted, the Hornets have had a difficult last decade or two in terms of postseason success or even reaching the postseason. But I really think that if they had started the era with two guard building blocks to move towards the way the, tra- the, the, the league was starting to slowly transition as it was from this 1999 to 2000 area of the pace and space, playing with a lot, um, a lot more guards on the court. It happened a lot more gradually than like how it is now where we kind of see it on dang near every team. But if they had kind of been part of that trend-setting change, and having two athletic guards in the backcourt that can both put the ball in the hoop at a consistent rate and do it at a high volume. I mean, I actually think they would have been a lot better than than you think they were down the line. Yeah, I mean, it's not necessarily one of those things where, of course, like you said before, I don't necessarily think I was picking them to beat the Jordan Bulls, even if you insert Kobe into that team that had Bogues and Maxwell and Rice and those guys on the team. But, I mean, I'm thinking they would have a lot more of a successful history playoff-wise than the one that they have right now. Yeah, I think that they have they have the ability to go deep in the playoffs, but my only concern is Kobe Bryant. Again, you're putting a lot of pressure on a guy who's 18 years old. So, even though he was able to kind of excel with the Lakers in uh, 96 and 97, I think – he will be able to excel with the Charlotte Hornets. I still feel like he's going to become the same player regardless. I think things would turn out a lot differently. I don't think he would stick around Charlotte because I feel like after his four years are up in Charlotte, he's probably going to want to go to a real contender. I would think that he wants to go with the Lakers. So at that time, it was like, okay, does Kobe want to go to a perennial contender who just signed Shaq? Or – Do you stay in Charlotte where, okay, you're a middle-of-the-pack 50-win team in the same year with the Bulls were about to begin their second three-peat? I don't know if Kobe would have wanted to risk that. I think he's definitely a superstar, no doubt about it. 
I think he has the same career. I feel like he has the same numbers. I don't know if he would stick around in Charlotte to make them a contender. I think you're like I think you're misconstruing a couple of things, my guy, because like I understand like we are very like 2010s and up in terms of the NBA, but like joining up to make super teams was not the was not the vibe in the era that he came into. Kobe Bryant is the same person who had a hit list in high school in terms of setting himself up to determine to show the world that he was the number one player coming out of the class that he was in. And, I mean, this is a guy, like, to even say too much pressure on an 18-year-old, under normal circumstances, I would completely and utterly agree with you. But this is Kobe Bryant we're talking about. Like, this is, like, most would say, okay, yeah, you can say that from 2020 hindsight, but, like, if you listen to former players, I was watching the – um. And all the smoke podcast uh, earlier today where Rip Hamilton was on. And I mean, he was basically Kobe Bryant's roommate for a, a portion of when they were on AAU. He said that the dude was basically obsessed with the idea of showing the world that he was number one and he was the best player in the country. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, with a player that, that had that kind of mentality, that type of pro level thinking before even reaching the league, I don't think worrying about who's got the best squad was anywhere close to on his mind at the time. I think the idea was he was going to get his bucket and he wanted to make whatever team he was on the team to be. So to think that he would be joining up with anybody or anything like that, I mean, trust me, in 2020, I feel the vibes, but not, not 1997 through 2000 where you know afterwards he's think all he's thinking is how the hell do I get out of here and get on a contender I'm not sure but hey man the only reason kind of why I say that is just because he definitely wants at some point he's thinking like championship I'm looking at his stats right now from uh his first four years which would have been his first four years in Charlotte he averaged just under eight a game with two rebounds and one assist that was his rookie season his second year, he definitely improved with uh, 15 points a game, three rebounds, two and a half assists. Then the next year, 19 points a game, five rebounds, four assists. And then uh, his fourth year, 22 and a half, six rebounds, and five assists. He gradually becomes a superstar. It's just, does he do it with Charlotte? And I don't think that he would want to be on a team like Charlotte. Are they going to get a superstar anytime soon? That's kind of what I'm trying to factor in. Like, are they going to get a superstar? And I don't know if they were going to attract a superstar at that time. I mean, yeah, Baron Davis was drafted in 99. That would have made Kobe and Baron Davis a very strong backcourt duo. But you got to keep in mind that which duo would get more rings? Kobe and Shaq, Kobe and Baron Davis. I mean, if you're going to do that, I mean, you know, you can do what you want in terms of that. But, I mean, in terms of the what if being him being on Charlotte, we have to assume that he's going to play on Charlotte, not necessarily focus on the ideal that, like, oh, yeah, he's going to be on Charlotte when he gets drafted, but he's going to end up on the Lakers anyway. I mean, don't get me wrong. Yeah, there's a lot of different stuff that factors into whether or not that would be the case. But, I mean – Ideally speaking, yeah, we're, you know, it's in terms of him focusing on playing in Charlotte. But another player that we 
wanted to delve into was Kevin Durant. And in that 07 class, yeah, man, KD was definitely the best player in that class, and I don't know how they messed this up. Portland, the Portland Trailblazers decided to go with Greg Oden, number one overall. First off, what are your thoughts on the idea as a whole? And then, you know, explain to the people exactly where you think that the Trailblazers went wrong on this. Portland did not need to draft a big man. They did not. They didn't need Greg Oden. Agreed. I, I, I 100% believe that they did not need him. And I think – I can't say he was one of the biggest busts because – when he was on the court, he was helpful. He definitely was using that big size of his seven foot, two hundred sixty pound frame to bully guys in the paint. We're kind of going to get into this in our next episode, but I think Greg Oden could have been like Shaq. This is kind of a bit of a stretch, but I think in college he was very dominant as a big man, and I think that he definitely had the potential to be a guy like Shaq. Unfortunately, that was not the case. Let me tell you why this team could have picked Kevin Durant or should have picked Kevin Durant. Like I said, the last thing that they needed was another big. If you remember that the year before in 2006, they traded for LaMarcus Aldridge and then they drafted Brandon Roy. That's a very young duo that would have a very promising future in the NBA. If you draft Kevin Durant instead of Greg Oden, you have a nice young trio of great basketball players that can help you win the future. With that being said, if I'm thinking down the line, I think Kevin Durant wins a championship in Portland with this squad down the road. Obviously, you have to account draft picks and maybe free agency signings that they have in the future. But I have a lot of optimism that this squad going into 2007, that they could do what they didn't do in 2000. That's bringing a city a championship in the future. However, I think you're missing a true point guard. You don't have Damian Lillard yet, and Brandon Roy is a shooting guard. And you also really need to pick up a center basically for reassurance. So this is my plan. In 2008, you have a bad record that doesn't get you the first overall pick. So you said number four, and you get Russell Westbrook. In the second round, you get a pick, and you pick up DeAndre Jordan. I think Kevin Durant wins the MVP in which, he, in which the year that he wins MVP. But the difference is that he doesn't need to go to Golden State to win a championship because he already wins a championship in Portland. So he can basically finish his career there. Now, my question to you, Jalen, is what do you think about the theory? I mean, I guess my first thought would be like, bro, you need to like 2K my sim that or something. Cause like, <laughs> I mean, honestly, the, the test for it is kind of, um, kind of interesting to piggyback off your point. Like, Unlike the Kobe take, I got to be completely honest with you. On this one, I completely agree with you. The Kobe one, you had me a little a little confused there. But in terms of the Kevin Durant one and them not even needing a center, I mean, they already had three centers on, on the, the roster already. And they had Aldridge as well, who, like you said before, they drafted the year before. They had Channing Fry on there, Joel Prisabia, and Raif LaFritz. That's four bigs. They had four bigs. Most teams – even back, even back in the early 2000s, did not carry three to four plus guards on their team, let alone three to four bigs that all play the, play the same position. You throw on top of that, they were very light at small forward. They literally, like, lacked any depth, really, at that wing scoring position outside of Brandon Roy. And they, they were deep at front court 
but didn't have really any other player besides what Steve Blake to be like a primary ball handler for them besides Brandon Roy, you literally would have gotten a ball handling big man that could play the wing position and provide another score alongside Brandon Roy and LaMarcus Aldridge without having to take up inside space for LaMarcus Aldridge to work or be one of those guards that only plays at the top of the key and, you know, shakes, dribbles, drives, and dishes the way Brandon Roy does. KD can score at all three levels. He cannot get in anybody's way, and he practically fits into everybody's system. I think the other thing is similar to the Kobe to the Kobe take, honestly, you're dropping Kevin Durant into a 50-win squad again. This is the Trailblazers who either won, I think they won 48 games one season and 50 or more games from the 2008 season, literally following the following year, to 2011. The only issue was that they couldn't get out of the first round. You're telling me, straight out of Texas, killer mentality, Kevin Durant can't get Portland out of the first round with LaMarcus Aldridge and Brandon Roy on the team? Are you saying they can't get out or they can get out? I'm saying they can get out. I think they're going to win a championship. They can. Yeah, That's what I'm, I'm saying. saying. The fact that they can't, the fact that they can't, there's no way in the world that they can't get out of the first round if you yeah. add Kevin Durant to the squad. There's yeah. no way. 100%. The, the, issue, the issues they had where they couldn't get out would not be the same issues they had they, that they did if you add Kevin Durant. Then the scarier part, the even more intimidating part about their roster is later on down the line they get Gerald Wallace. Later on down the line, they get Wesley Matthews. Later on down the line, they get Nicholas Batum. We're talking length, athleticism, the ability to truly be a a well-balanced team on both sides of the court. It is like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say it's like on the same level or anything, but if we're talking about having a prime offensive or defensive player at every position, you are essentially telling Kevin Durant that like five to six or so years early, he is basically on Golden State without going to Golden State. It's, 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 no, there's not the same type of dynamic shooting. There's no Draymond Green in terms of his ability to pass the ball. But we're talking about a team here that literally would have been able to have a prolific scorer or defender at every single position. And you drop Kevin Durant in it and they blew it because they wanted to get a big man from Ohio State who balled out granted but flopped as well for where he was picked up I mean jeez, man jeez. I mean I think you nailed it I think you nailed that take because I've said this before and yes it does kind of sound like a 2k sim where I'm on franchise mode and go ahead in the draft and I pick Russell Westbrook. He probably wasn't available at the time, but I still pick him anyway. And then the second <laughs> round, and then the second round, I get DeAndre Jordan and I pick him even though he wasn't available anyway. So this is like me as like my GM in 2K or franchise mode in NBA Live. Like this is kind of how I would approach it. I 100% agree with you. This team is, this team is winning a championship. There is no doubt about it. Like this team, this team's phenomenal. And Kevin Durant is going to become the superstar that he is. We show much love to Kevin Durant in this podcast, if you can tell. 
We love Kevin Durant. <laughs> if you t- if you see Kevin Durant, tell him that we love him here at the Hoop Talk Podcast. So <laughs> I, I think you, we we kind of agree on the same point. This team wins a championship with Kevin Durant, and honestly, he probably have he probably have one of the best selling jerseys out there right now if he was in Portland. And um, I think this team deserved a championship. They haven't had one since Bill Walton was there, and that's a very long time. I mean, have you seen Bill Walton on the ESPN? <laughs> it's a very long time. So now I kind of have to move on to what if Steph Curry was drafted to Minnesota? Well, we can tell you that they had two chances to draft Steph Curry. And (laughs) if you believe it or not, they passed on him twice. So Jalen, what was going through the Timberwolves mind? Why did they pick Johnny Flynn and Ricky Rubio in back-to-back picks over Steph Curry? Somebody in the draft board room had to be drugged, man. It's it's no question about it. I mean, if you thought I was passionately salty about the idea of Kevin Durant being on a stacked Portland team, dude, let's talk about Minnesota not picking up Steph Curry. I mean, it's not the same level in terms of dropping Kevin Durant into Portland, but it's the idea of dropping. Granted, we didn't know he would be generational talent from the from the point guard position as a shooter we knew he could shoot I mean that was that was a given but to look down the line and to know that you passed on that talent twice twice for Johnny Flynn who only played three years in the league three and Ricky Rubio who didn't even come over he was drafted top five and didn't even come over when you picked him up, he practically knew your team was butt. He knew your team was not that good. And, and basically, delayed came over here. And he's only paid, played nine seasons. So combined, the two picks that you pick back-to-back, mind you, they also play the same position as one another and as Steph Curry. Even more disrespectful, honestly. Combined, they played 12 seasons. Steph Curry has played 11 seasons by himself. Only been on one team. Only been on one team. One. Ricky Rubio has been on three teams now. Johnny Flynn was out of the league before his rookie deal was over. Sheesh, man. Sheesh. But then I guess, I guess my question to you would be like, let's look at it like this, right? Minnesota made it to the finals in 2003-2004. Since then, they won 30 or less games in 8 of 16 seasons, went under 515 of the last 16 seasons. I mean, going from like a perennial playoff team to like a dormant franchise hanging by the thread of Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins, or not Andrew Wiggins anymore, thankfully, but D'Angelo Russell now, I guess, to their own little small duo that they're hoping works was Steph Curry even gonna change life for them how much better was Steph Curry gonna make them now that I'm looking back at it all right Jalen I want to respond to you with a question why are second why are second chances given you know you hope it's to redeem yourself you'd hope so to make sure you don't screw up the second time Like I said, they had two chances. They passed on him not once, 
but twice. There is a reason why Kevin Durant left in 2007, because he wanted to avoid ownership that makes dumb decisions. Nonetheless, I think Steph was the only sensible choice, unless you wanted to go and get a big in the same draft. There weren't a lot of bigs in that 2009 class. Blake Griffin was off the board at that time. I think he was the best big in that draft. And there really weren't a lot of bigs that panned out in the league. So theoretically, you get two guards. This is barring that Minnesota makes two dumb decisions in a row. But you know what? Let's, let's act like they made two smart decisions in a row. I'm going to 2K sim this. You, sure. get Steph, you get Steph Curry at five. He's a point guard. DeMar DeRozan at six, shooting guard. You got yourself oh a nice – Oh, my goodness. In the next draft, you focus to finding yourself a three. So at pick number four, because you weren't bad enough to get pick number one, you get Gordon Hayward instead of Wesley Johnson. By 2010, your starting lineup is Steph Curry, DeMar DeRozan, Gordon Hayward, Kevin Love, and Jason Collins. And if you remember Jason Collins, we were talking about him as that young center who was inexperienced, got put in a bad situation in the, in the finals against Shaq and Tim Duncan back-to-back seasons with the New Jersey Nets. If you think about this lineup, I, I want to specify this right now. I don't think they're getting a championship. But I think they'll get you a lot of wins, hope in Minnesota basketball, something that they haven't had for God knows how long. And they also have you, – you get this potential young lineup that takes you – into 2015, I say this lineup lasts five years. But I want to say, I don't know how long this line, you know, and now I think about, I don't know how long this lineup might last because ownership might screw it up. Who knows? To take it off the 2K MySim, bro, like, to be honest with you, you murdered that one. Because that one, I mean, because, like, when you, when you really put it in perspective, like, this team really could have eaten, like, on a season-to-season basis. I mean, Golden State almost got Kevin Love at one point. People forget that. Granted, it was going to have to be – Clay Thompson was going to have to be involved in the trade somewhere in that at the time. Nonetheless, you know, Kevin Love – and we talk fat Kevin Love. We're not talking stretch four, shoot the three Kevin Love. We're talking 20-20 double-doubles. If you give Steph a good big down low – a player like DeMar DeRozan who can play well in the mid-range while he stretch while Steph stretches the court. I mean, man, and that's not even factoring in Gordon Hayward, who honestly is like a Swiss Army knife, may not have been the player that he is now, but playing with two guys in the backcourt like that would have freed him up so much to the point that he could have been almost as dynamic within an offense with those guys in it. Like you said before, man, though, it's it's funny how you can look at it and say, dang, dude, they could have that team for five years and screw a contract up and the whole thing could go and smoke. So it's just like, man, I'll tell you this much. The Timberwolves, dude, I mean, I know teams uh, like, like Charlotte and uh, most recently like Atlanta and stuff like that have been having a struggle getting it together the Timberwolves I mean they are a sleeper squad that just does not get enough hate I ain't gonna lie I mean I'm not saying that anybody should be hating on them but I think that they are a team that gets swept under the rug a lot because they tend to get 
a player here and there. They had Jimmy Butler for a second. Andrew Wiggins is consistently inconsistent, but the fact that he can put up between 18 and 20 kind of makes him look like he should be a fringe all-star all the time. And Carl Anthony Towns is legit a top center in the league. And D'Angelo Russell's coming into his own now, so him being swapped for Andrew Wiggins, hopefully that'll be formidable once they actually get to play on the court. But I mean, dude, this is a class that has been this is a this is a franchise that has been kicking the can for a minute. It is hard to know that they could have had Steph Curry and messed it up for a guy named Johnny Flynn and a dude in Ricky Rubio, who was a formidable like rotating like point guard or at least starting point guard as a facilitator now. But, I mean, his first couple of years in the league wasn't even worth, you know, bad an eye at, let alone the fact that he practically snubbed you after you drafted him by not coming over initially. Sad, sad times when it comes to Minnesota. I mean, I, I appreciate the love for my take because I had to make up for that Kobe Bryant take. Wasn't my best take, I'll say that. <laughs> but I will say this, though. I don't want Minnesota to fail. I want them to be a good team. I had all the hope in the world once they got Jimmy Butler. I was like, oh, man, this team could really be consistent. This team could be really good. Carl Anthony Towns entering his prime. Andrew Wiggins, he's consistent, but he's also inconsistent at the same time. You had Jeff Teague. We've said good things about Jeff Teague on this podcast already with the Atlanta Hawks and what he did with them. I, I think, I'm telling you, I think this team could have done good things. The problem was they were the eighth seed against the Rockets, and it didn't pan out for them that all too well. Carl Anthony Towns didn't show up in the playoffs. Andrew Wiggins was quiet. It just it never really worked out for them. This is a decision that not only lives in infamy for all the wrong reasons, but it shows why second chances are given. Like I said earlier, you get second chances to make sure that you don't screw up the second time. So that's what I've taken out of it. You need to make sure you nail it the second time. Amen, Ryan. I feel like that's honestly where I feel like your 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 last saying is kind of the the overall takeaway from this episode's podcast is, you know, when you get a second chance, dude, you got to hit. And the NBA is an interesting league now, man, with the transition of like the G League starting to become more of a better like developmental league, unlike how it's been in years past. The idea of kids focusing a lot more on their game at early ages and a lot of different rising stars coming from a lot of different areas in in the U.S. It's not it's no longer just L.A. basketball no longer just New York basketball or PG basketball it's it's all over the place man the overseas basketball is thriving in terms of the way we're getting products from over there nowadays I mean we have a lot of them just coming up in this next NBA draft as potential lottery picks I think the idea that when you get a second chance, whether it's in the same draft or in the draft after or the draft after that, the NBA is built off gyms, man. I mean, like there are guys who we know are just going to be stars at the next level when they when they get there. LeBron James was somebody that everybody and their mama knew when he got to Cleveland, he was going to be a problem. But then you have guys like Jimmy Butler who get taken 30th overall and they grow into a killer on both sides of the floor. So, you know, when you look at a team like Portland who struck out on Greg Oden, when you look at a team like the Timberwolves who just completely 
whiffed it on potentially getting Steph Curry. And when you look at a like a team like Charlotte, who I think was so veteran heavy that they leaned on the idea of just sticking with what they have versus bringing in that new burst of life and energy that they could have gotten in a, in, in a Kobe Bryant. You know, you got to build off of that mistake. You got to realize that it's a mistake. And 2020 hindsight is one of the weirdest things in the NBA or in life. But, man, when you look at the way these choices framed NBA history, absolutely crazy. Great segment, my man. This was an awesome discussion today, and I'm very happy that we were able to have this discussion. On the next episode, we're going to look at part two of our What If series, which is What If Injuries never affected players' careers.